Good evening, good evening. My name is Ben, and I'm a grateful believer of Jesus Christ and recovery for alcohol. Hi. Would you guys, would you guys pray with me? Heavenly Father, I, I surrender this time to you. I surrender what's been prepared to say. Let me speak the things that are supposed to be said, and let me remain quiet when, when I need to. Please make application into our lives tonight, Holy Spirit. I love you, Jesus. Thank you for providing a way for us. Amen. Listen, before I get too deeply into things tonight, let me just say that it has been an honor to be here over the last three years. Um, Being a part of Celebrate Recovery and now counseling has been an incredible time of my life. Um, Each time I come here, I've experienced strength, hope, um, every bit of it, from the singing from the messages to the open share time to talking with people uh, before and even after. It's just been a huge blessing. There is nothing like it. There really is nothing like Celebrate Recovery. So I know most of you guys already know that, but I just wanted to, to say it again. It's pretty incredible. And although I find myself up here tonight, please understand that the one who makes true application is the Holy Spirit. And I am anticipating him teaching me, not just you tonight, whether it's Scott, whether it's Josh, whoever is up here, it truly is the Holy Spirit that makes impact in our life. He works in a way that's mysterious, it's exciting, it's appropriate, and always, always right on time. Over the last three years of being here in Celebrate Recovery, and like I said in counseling now, life has been very, very different for me, different in a good way. Living in secret has turned to living with transparency. Living in fear has turned to living with courage. Living with low self-worth has turned to living with the knowledge that I am valued by God. But I will tell you, it has come at a cost. It has. Admitting that I've lived my whole life in fear opened the door to all of my feelings. And who knew that There are a lot of feelings, and doggone it, man, it is, they are difficult some days. For so long, I have tried to ignore them and try to keep them quiet, but now I realize that they serve as really a barometer of how I am spiritually, how I'm doing emotionally. But being transparent about the struggles and the secrets that I had in my life has changed relationships. It has affected them. It's affected my career. It's even affected my relationship with the Lord, how I see him understanding how he sees me, and living with the truth that I am valued has caused me to share with others that they too have great value. And that may seem like a positive, and it is, of course it is, but it also comes with a cost as well because you get to share with people again about some of the thoughts that you've had about your own life and what you think about yourself. It is a new time of life. It really, really, really is. It's a, it's a new walk, you could say. As you already heard, Ephesians 2.10, a well-known verse, uh, says, we are his workmanship, we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Getting to the point that I can walk in them has been extremely, extremely difficult. Maybe it has been or is difficult for you too. I had thought that walking in the good works that God prepared for me meant that I would succeed in anything that I put my hand to. 
that God would allow all the temptations that, that are in front of me to not be an issue, to easily be overcome. I would thought that the addictions that I struggled with, God would help me to overcome all on my own. In giving my life to Jesus long ago, I became and still am his workmanship. Yet because I'm his workmanship, he needed to mold and to shape me into the person he wanted and still wants me to be. And this came and comes at a cost. And thinking about this truth that God molds and that he shapes us into who he desires us to be makes me think of, a, of an account in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, the first book of the Bible, which may be my favorite book of the Bible, but it's the story about Jacob. And Jacob was an important figure in the history of Israel. He's an important figure in, in our own Christianity. If you want to read about his life, you can find him in chapters 25 to 33 in the book of Genesis. But God needed to mold and shape Jacob's life just like he did mine, just like as he did yours, as he does yours. One of the beautiful aspects of the Bible, though, is that God always, always shows the whole story about individuals. He shows the positive. He shows the negative which I think just shows the, the great, amazing work that God can and that God will do. But Jacob's life was all about one thing. His life was about deception. Even the word itself just kind of sounds, deception. But it means the act of causing someone to accept as true or valid what is false or invalid. Is that not my life over the last many years? trying to present myself a certain way so that others may not see my real life, that it's out of control. This was Jacob's life as well. He deceived people. He deceived his father, his brother, those who were closest to him. And because of his deception, because of living a lie, he ended up isolated from his birth family. Yet even then, God still chose to mold and shape his life. And that's because God sees the whole picture. He always sees the whole picture. After deceiving his brother, whose name was Esau, Jacob's mom urged him to flee for his life. You can find this in Genesis 27, verses 42 to 43. So she sent and called Jacob, her younger son, and said to him, Behold, your brother Esau comforts himself about you by planning to kill you. Again, showing that all families, even chosen families, have issues. It's, there's no way around it. All families do, okay? Now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. Arise, free, flee to Laban, my brother in Haran. So Jacob flees, and his life is drastically different. Yet while in Haran, God allowed Jacob to begin a family. And God was not fully done, though, molding and shaping his life. And I think that's really the first thing I'd like to encourage and challenge us with tonight. And it's the fact that we have to trust God's plan in molding and shaping us. I said earlier that God's timing is always perfect. He's never early and he's never late. His timing is always right on time. And this can be incredibly difficult for us. I know it is for me because we want results right now. Isn't that what addiction is all about? Immediate gratification right now. God sees the results even when they are far, far away. Sometimes he works quickly and praise God for that. 
But oftentimes, his will and his plan takes quite a while to unfold. Another verse that we hear often is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. This verse, goodness sakes. It says, trust God with everything you have. I understand that somewhat, but then it goes on to say, lean not on your own understanding. What the heck? That is all I've ever done in my life is to lean on my own understanding. Because growing up from a young punk kid till now, an older punk guy, (laughs) all I learned was to lean on my own understanding. I came to believe that people act a certain way. I came to believe that the world sometimes is not a safe place and that any moment something bad can happen. I began to believe that I'm just not good enough. That's what I learned. That was my learned understanding. What is your learned understanding? He says to trust in God with all of your heart. And when we trust in God's plan and his will, it's to cease leaning on our own understanding and leaning, not even just leaning, but jumping in to his will and to his plan. I used to have a picture on my wall and it said the best view of one's soul is from beyond the edge looking back. And there was this dude jumping off a cliff. Nothing I would ever do. But when you think about it, that's what it's like when we give our life to Christ. Oftentimes we jump in with everything we had, not fully seeing what God sees because he sees the entire picture, right? But when we turn around and we look back, we see the incredible mysterious, frightening work of God that always brings fullness. You may think, Ben, what is God's plan for my life? It's a question we're all faced with. It's a question that I often ask. God, what's your plan? What's your will for my life? I think God makes it really, really simple. And you've heard this verse all the time too, Matthew 22, 37 to 40. And Jesus said to a man, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. The book of Mark says, all your strength. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. God's plan is to love him and to love people. I love that God makes things simple. God makes it so simple. He says, there's one way through my son, Jesus, I have a plan for you. It's just to love me and to love people. Why is that so important for God's plan for our lives? I believe it's because when we see God for who he is, it allows us to see ourselves for who we are, which gives us the ability to love others as they are. When I saw that God was willing to walk through the mess of my life, I saw that my life had value. Even in the midst of the yuck. And that gave me the ability to then love others who are going to go through the same exact things that I am going through. And no doubt you have probably experienced that talking with someone and they share the exact thing that you have walked through in your life. Trust his plan and celebrate recovery when we are faithful to the process. We learn to embrace the promise of Christ, our higher power and his transforming love. I always thought that accomplishing God's will, his plan for our life were these huge things. 
I thought it was like going on a mission trip to Greece. You must really love God and trust him. Or speaking to millions of people or doing all these random things. But I've come to learn that to love him and to love people is to cherish my wife. To turn the TV off or pause it at least when she's talking to me. It's to listen to the hurts of my kids. Not to say, oh, when I was a kid, we'd cut our arm off and still be okay, you know? (laughs) To not rush away from a conversation with someone because it's getting a little bit too revealing. God's plan unfolds every day as we interact with people. And sometimes to love him and to love others is just to listen and be engaged with someone. How might our lives change and others' lives change if we just listened and engaged in conversation? So Jacob spent a considerable amount of time in a foreign land, okay? And God told him, it's time to go back. And of course, this brought great fear for Jacob. Jacob was afraid for his life, his family's life, but he started back. It says in verse three of chapter 31, Then the Lord said to him, return to the land of your fathers and to your kindred, and I will be with you. And I think I'll have that as our second point tonight. He is with us. God will be with you. When I think of this part of the story, when Jacob had to go back and and make things right, specifically with his brother Esau, and you can read about that in your own time of reading Genesis, but he really, really, really wronged Esau. So much so that Esau wanted to kill him, as we read earlier. But it makes me think of steps eight and nine in the recovery process. I've heard people say that, you know, steps four and five are so very difficult. And they are. I mean, all the steps are difficult and rewarding at the same time. But for me, eight and nine was when the rubber really hit the road. But while it was difficult, it cemented in my mind and in my heart that this program, these steps, work. It was a terrifying and gratifying moment all at the same time. But just as God said to Jacob, he says to us, I will be with you. I will never leave or forsake you. I love 2 Timothy 2.13 says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful. And you may think, why are you bringing this up when you just said God will be with you? God is committed to doing a good work in our life. Even when we are unfaithful, even when we are afraid, even when we are unwilling at times, God is still going to prove faithful. And this is why this new walk comes at a cost. It comes at a cost because God has to mold us and God has to shape us. And even though he loves us so much that he will never leave or forsake us, he also loves us, you, so much that he doesn't leave us as we are. Because he sees in us so much more than we see in ourselves. So Jacob went back to meet Esau. But before he gets there, he had a really strange encounter with God. Jacob was sending his family across a small body of water and he sends his his family all across and all his belongings and it's just him. And chapter 32, verse 24 starts with this. 
and Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. All I can think about when I read that part, this is a side note, is not, or which is the one, uh, the wrestling one? Nacho, is it Nacho Libre? When he says, thou shalt not wrestle, wrestle thy neighbor. I know I didn't say that right. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. And when the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket and Jacob hit, Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then Jacob said, let me, or then the, the angel said, let me go for the day is broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, what is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel. For you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Jacob was left alone with just God. And I don't know about you, but when I finally admitted who I was and what my life was about, I felt alone. Not because of what anyone else had done, but just because of the decisions and the choices that I made. I remember one night laying on the floor long ago, everyone was in bed and lying there and wondering what was going on and what was gonna happen, what the future held. And it was at that point, I just cried out to the Lord and I said, God, you're enough. Number one, because I don't know who else is gonna be here, but you are enough for me. Although that's a difficult place to be, it is the right place to be. Sometimes that's when God does his most extreme and intricate molding and shaping of our life. Some people call it a time of brokenness. Some people called it our, our wilderness experience. But really, as you read about Jacob's life, I look at this time as, you know, almost all the steps, but specifically steps one through five moment of his life. He wrestled with God and he was doing a good job. And so what did God do? He dislocated God's hip or not God's hip, Jacob's hip. It's kind of like, you know, trying to wrestle your dad, no matter how old he is, he'll still beat you. It's like multiplied to infinity when you're wrestling with God, I would think. But that's not even the big thing that God did that. The greatest part of this passage in this story and really the life of Jacob for me is what God asked him or God's representative or the angel of the Lord, whoever you want that to be. Basically, someone working on behalf of God. He said, Jacob, what is your name? What is your name? Now, Jacob's name, they say it meant heel catcher or deceiver. What a name to have, right? My name is Jacob. I'm a deceiver. <laughs> but as I read this passage, especially in light of the last three years, I take this question of what is your name to mean? What has your life been all about? How did you treat people? Where did that get you? In my time here at CR, and now even in counseling, I have been faced with those questions. What has my life been about? How did I treat people? Where has that gotten me? But God changes the name of Jacob. He changes it to Israel, which is a pretty important name, right? For the nation has taken that name. But God knew what needed to change in Jacob's life. He needed to mold his life. Yes, Jacob did a great job in wrestling, but God needed to reveal to Jacob what his life was all about. 
It says in verse 31, though, of chapter 32, the sun rose upon him, upon Jacob, as he passed Peniel, limping because of his hip. God did a great work. God had a good work prepared for him, but it came at a cost. Jacob now had a limp, a new walk. I wonder when I read this, even as I was studying it, I don't know how long Jacob, if he was in pain, if it was days, weeks, months, years, if he always had, you know, a sting in his hip every time he walked because of that encounter. But I wonder for however long it took if he wondered and thought about that moment of his life. Because three years ago to now, I can't stop thinking about where my life was and now where God has me and the journey and the process he has me on. And I don't think I will ever not look back at that time when I first walked in here that first night. Living in a place of brokenness, living after exiting the wilderness, living with recovery is a new walk. Yes, we may have lost things. We may have experienced heartache and deep hurts during the process. But oftentimes it's necessary in order for God to keep working in our life, to do the things in order for us to be prepared to walk in those good works. 2 Corinthians 12, 9. But he said to me, but God said to the Apostle Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. His power is made perfect, not, not tolerable, not convenient, but perfect in our weakness. I wanted so badly for God to, to work through my perceived strengths, right? But that's not how he does it. Why? Because then I would begin to exalt myself instead of him. So what would I challenge you with tonight? Well, I think the Holy Spirit does that challenging and makes that true, deep application. But if I could just add one thing, which we talk about often, it's to surrender, to surrender your will to his. How do you do that? By working the steps. One great author, Howard Hendricks, says, we cannot embrace the promise and ignore the process. The promise is that God is doing a work, a great work. The process are the steps. Some here may have never embraced the promise of Christ yet. What was talked about tonight may seem appealing, may seem interesting, but maybe a little bit foreign to you. That's okay. But for Jacob that night, it was another moment when he placed his faith in God's plan of salvation and he trusted God with his future. That is what we do when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior. We are placing our faith in God's plan of salvation, giving him our future. We do that believing in our heart to the best of our ability right now that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life. And we confess with our mouth that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection cleanses us from our sins so that we can have a relationship with him. If it's your desire tonight to embrace that promise, I would encourage you to ask Jesus into your heart as your Lord and Savior. You may say, Ben, how do I do that? I did it by just saying a prayer like this. God, I believe to the best of my ability right now that you sent Jesus to die for my sins. I believe in his death on the cross, his burial, and his resurrection. Please make me into the person you want me to be. God's promise is life to the full. 
And when we embrace the promise of Christ, we get to experience the blessing of that process. I have learned a new walk. Some of you are learning a new walk right now. It has cost me, but I would never change it. This place allows us to embrace that promise and carry out the process. Would you guys stand with me? And we're going to close with the serenity prayer tonight. But before we do that, if by chance tonight you, you prayed that prayer, would like to pray that prayer about embracing Christ um, as your higher power, then, you know, I'm up here. I'd love to talk with you about that, pray with you about that. Um, but there are others here who would love to do that as well. But let's say this together. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one month at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that you will make all things right, I surrender to your will, so I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. Amen. Head to open share.